I'm Carrie Ann. And I'm Allison. And this is Podcast Without an Audience, where two friends pick two topics and find intersections. Or not. And, and to oh, <laughs> oh, I almost cut you off that time. It's okay. Sorry. Today is our cult episode four. This is our bonus monthly episode where I discuss a cult and CA discusses a cult classic film or piece of media. Yep. Yep. So today is the not. Today's the knot? Yeah. Of not finding intersections? Well, we don't have to find intersections in our cult. Because they both start with a C. They both start with a C. So. Two snaps. Amen. <laughs> Except that my my cult movie does not start with a C. Just the fact that it is a cult movie is enough. Yeah. Mine doesn't start with a C either. Starts with an L. <laughs> and I go first this week, so I can just go ahead and tell you what it's called. Oh, yeah. What, uh... Is there anything we need to talk about before? Mm, no? I don't think so. We're drinking Bud Light today. That's kind of where we're at. Carbonated pea water. It is really gross. It's so bad. <laughs> it's all I had in the fridge. Um, and I was shocked that you had it's it in the fridge. It's not mine. You live with a man. It's Ray's. <laughs> <laughs> and it's still sitting in there, you know, because he doesn't drink it, probably because it's terrible. Right. No, no, no. Did I say Bud Light? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For a second, I thought I said Coors Light. Is it interesting to anyone else, or is it just me, that Bud Light, like, the light that comes out of a light bulb, and not Bud Light, like, L-I-T-E? Mm-hmm. I always assumed it was Bud Light, like, the light version thought, of Budweiser. I have never thought about it at all. I put way too much thought into things that don't matter. It's kind of like a wheat LaCroix. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It is a wheat LaCroix. Mm-hmm. Um, a hint of wheat... <laughs> And a lot of carbonation. Yeah, it's... Yeah, I'm going to be burping. All right. Let's do this thing. So, my cult, I don't know if you've heard about it. It is literally evolving in the news as we speak. We are recording on June 12th today. So, if anything comes up after today, it won't be included when this comes out for (laughs) July. You won't hear about it from us. Please don't email me. Okay, so I'm going to be talking about Love Has Won. That's very fitting, considering we're still in June and Pride Month. However, uh-huh. the fact that it's also the title of a cult right. is concerning. Yes, it is. So, I'm just going to... Amy angry. Carlson. That name sounds really familiar. Sounds like Vanessa Carlton. That's, yep. Link up there. She grew up in Dallas, Texas. Um, she was described by her family to be a very you know, bright child, a straight A student, very normal, nothing out of the ordinary. Um, in her young adult life, though, Amy began hanging out with some new people. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Those new people. Um, engaging with people on the internet. Mm-hmm. Now they've warned you, or they've warned us about talking to strangers on the internet. That's right. Now we pay them to come to our house and bring us food. So <laughs> times have changed. And she also started to discuss spaceships, which I did too. I was obsessed with the X-Files. So at this point, I don't see anything, any red flags. (laughs) So making friends on the internet, hanging out with strange people and talking about spaceships. She's me. Then, not now. (laughs) 
all of us at some awkward point in our lives. Right. She also uh, began being interested in New Age philosophy. Check. Check, check, check. Um, She was married three times. Mm -hmm. And in 2006, Amy left her third husband, her children, and her job as a McDonald's manager and cut off all ties with her previous life. So here's where it's starting to take a turn. That is correct. We can no longer relate. (laughs) We've had a little buildup. The three marriages is, you know, not something we can relate to. Mm -mm. Leaving your husband and children to know for me at this moment. Right. But yeah, simultaneously, while all this is going on, during this time, Amy is starting, uh, she started going by Mother Earth. And she insisted that everybody call her Mother Earth. She then begins the journey of collecting like-minded individuals, which we may call followers, (laughs) um, who at this point deny that this organization is a cult. Um, And the organization is eventually referred to as Love Has Won. That's not actually the name. That's not a name. It is It's a statement. (laughs) Right. It's not a name. Right. It's a terrible name. LHW could be a name. Oh, yeah. Love has won. No. Not a name. No. That's how I'm going to be pronouncing it. Members recorded daily live streams, which is super fascinating. So all this shit is documented. So the majority of the stuff we understand about the, the cult is direct quotes coming out of their mouths. What do they believe? Who do they think Amy is? Et cetera, et cetera. So I'm going to go through a list of um, what we know about Amy and what we know about their belief systems. I think you mean Mother Earth. Mother Earth. Thank you so much. So we learned that um, from the live streams that the goal of Love Has Won and Amy Carlson is to lead 144,000, quote, chosen ones to a mystical fifth dimension or great awakening. That's a very specific number. It is a specific number. Do we know why 144,000 specifically? I don't know that reason, but she is kind of um, obsessed with numbers and numerology. So dates are really important to her. She kind of has, um, she kind of emphasizes certain numbers. So that might have been a very significant number. I don't know why I didn't come across that in my notes. Here's another number for you. Um, Amy herself has been working to save humanity for 19 billion years. Humanity has not been around for 19 billion years. That is a great, (laughs) great point. And I was hoping you would bring that up. (laughs) This is before the universe itself. So she's obviously... I mean, we've discussed that math is not either one of our strong suits. But something is not adding up there. She is the mother of creation... And also planet Earth. So she is the Athena to Zeus. She is the female god. Mm-hmm. Well, she, we will kind of get to it in just a second. She's been reincarnated over 500 times. What's 500 divided by 19 billion? That's hard math. However old she is today yeah. would probably be the remainder. Previous reincarnations include Jesus Christ and and Marilyn Monroe. Fascinating. Um, 
Okay. I mean, those are big and bold statements. Yeah. These are big and... Yeah. I mean, she's... I mean, if to be th- a very impressive resume, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> um, she can communicate with angels. Can't we all? And she has healing abilities. Okay. So she can heal anybody that fully believes in her. She cannot heal those who do not believe in her. That's really convenient um, when you're trying to disprove somebody. Yeah. Actually being who they say they are. That's an excellent uh, fallback. Like, Yeah. Um, the group sold spiritual healing products online to make money. And we will kind of get back to that here in just a second. Um, and she also predicted that she would leave the planet in a starship or by ascending into the ocean. All right. Solid exit strategies. (laughs) So let's talk about the healing aspect. Um, Amy believed that organic substances and their healing powers were super powerful. Same. Yeah, I'm down with that. However, she did not believe in pharmaceuticals. So this whole organization was very holistic. They did not take any type of modern medicine, very anti, you know, pharmaceutical drugs. Um... And it's actually reported that Amy drank to excess every single night. So one live stream discusses that um, alcohol itself is organic and therefore can and should be used for pain management. I mean, I suppose if you're not taking any pharmaceuticals and you've got, um, and you're figuring out ways to self-medicate, alcohol is a really common one. I don't know how effective it is, but common. All of the videos that I personally saw were featured on like news outlets and and other on YouTube videos and things like that. Um, Amy is like clearly hammered. She's like super drunk, and she's an she's angry. Like she's Aww. screaming at people. She was featured on Dr. Phil last year, um, where they show her you know screaming at members of you know her organization. Um, I always imagined Mother Earth to be very gentle. I'm actually kind of disappointed. Yeah. Well, she didn't, you know, it doesn't equate to a religious leader in my head either. But, hey. Um, She tended to get kind of violent when she was drinking. Um, I saw videos of her holding a cat by the scruff of its back, the back of its neck, for, like, too long. Aww. Yeah. Um, There's also a video where there's a child, and he's, like, obviously being disruptive. Um... And it's during a live stream, so they take the child and they put him in a closet. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Um, Members who have left the organization report that they were only allowed to sleep between four and five hours per night. And they were waking up at 5 a.m. to prep for live streaming at six every single day. So what's the purpose of the live streaming? I think it's just, I think, first of all, they're trying to make money. So they're trying to like they're selling oh, like, like watch views on yeah and um and I think they're just trying to like preach the word. Also, this is you know coming up on you know 2020 at this point where you know there's a pandemic happening. They're all quarantined together. They're trying to reach the masses. It's the new day and age. I mean, I I would be surprised if we didn't see this more often. Yeah. You know, so okay, continue. So videos emerged of one of the group members being tormented by the other members. Um, 
because he brought Mother Earth meatballs for dinner instead of chicken parmesan. How dare he? Yeah. But you can see a lot of like what we know as cult, charismatic cult leaders, really kind of beating people down. So you're yelling at them, you're screaming at them, you're making them feel like shit. Sleep deprivation. Right. They're also limiting the amount of food these guys are eating. So when you see these lime streams, um, the women especially are very thin. Mm-hmm. Very, very thin. Well, there was probably limited access to the outside world. Like they mm-hmm. even, which is an interesting like juxtaposition between live streaming. So technically like you're communicating out, right? but you're essentially screaming into the void. Yeah. And they're kind of traveling. They go from different places. So they're in California. Then they go to Hawaii. When they're in Hawaii, um, Amy claims to be um, some type of religious um, deity or person that's significantly relevant to the you know Hawaiian community. And they were super offended by that. Like, of course. Naturally. So the mayor, like, escorted them to the airport. They're like, you got to go. Then yeah. they go back to Colorado. Um, so they're kind of bouncing around for different How places. How many people are with her at this point? There's between 12 and 20. So okay, so it's still kind of small. Mm-hmm. Relatively small. Although they are reaching out, you know, to these people. But these are core members. So remember in the beginning where I talked about the enlightened ones? Uh-huh. Um, those are people who are, like, paying into the organization. So, so there are 144,000? Or is that her goal? That's her goal. Okay. That's like... She's got a long-term plan. She does. She's got a spreadsheet. She sure does. Um, and that's probably... That's, like, part of why they're doing the live streams. But, um, but yeah. So these organizational members who are, like, between the 12 and 20, depending on which year we're talking about, um, they've paid in significant amounts. They've all left their families. Wow. You know, cult... You know, traditional... Very, culty. very, very culty. Um, but let's go back to the organic uh, argument for like just a second okay um so they were selling spiritual sessions as well as organic remedies online you know to put food on the table um one of which is colloidal silver are you familiar with that i don't think so okay so colloidal silver is um and i'm gonna read an excerpt from their product list here in just a second but they they claim that silver has healing properties Mm -hmm. um and that it can heal a bunch of different diseases if you eat enough of it or consume enough of it it turns your skin like a bluish oh i have heard of that i'm sure you have okay yeah yeah. so i did find a listing for their colloidal silver is their website still up is that where you found it um, their website is still up. I didn't find it on their specific. They use like a third party, like procurement, like a Squarespace situation. Yeah, like where they're selling all their stuff. Okay. So Gaia's colloidal silver. Our colloidal silver is a spiritual and medicinal product created and blessed with the highest intentions of healing. We co-create and meditate with the spirit, raising the consciousness and the potency of each bottle. Select from our many articles on the benefits of colloidal silver. Those on the battlefield, in the company of kings, drank from silver cups to save off illnesses, as well as placing a silver spoon in infants' mouths, as the power of the silver was widely known. Colloidal silver 
exposes the coronavirus by breaking its membrane so it can be detected by the body's antibodies and destroyed before spreading. I so we talk so much about cults that happened in like the 70s and 80s and I think not now cuz not that now. Don't happen now, so right? It's weird to hear coronavirus mm-hmm. as part of a cult episode, so I think that that's the piece I'm wrapping my brain around. Also, do you remember like the video of the woman who claimed that you couldn't get coronavirus in Florida because they drank corona out of glass bottles? No, and are you fucking kidding me. That something a or maybe they didn't drink Corona. It was one or the other, Equally but it was something about like drinking uh, out of a glass bottle meant that you couldn't actually get coronavirus. Uh, um, so the colloidal silver argument was like outside of just this organization. Like people, people were taking the shit because they thought it would prevent or cure COVID, which is obviously not fucking true. Please don't do this. No, we are not endorsing this. No, we are not. Sponsored by colloidal silver. <laughs> Um, Quote, Carlson had several romantic partners throughout the group's history who were referred to as Father God. So she's Mother God, they're Father God, and who played a counterpart role in Carlson in the theology of the group. The group also adopted the QAnon conspiracy theory, stating that it described a divine plan. Carlson had also stated that Donald Trump was her father in a past life. End quote. In her past life or in Donald's past, in a past life with both of them together? Yeah, I guess time? so. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, um, he's not exactly who I would pick to have come back as Jesus and Marilyn Monroe's father. Mm-hmm. Right. Wouldn't pick him. He, he wouldn't be on the list even. No. Like, not just not at the top. He would be. <sighs> All right. Here's the current situation. So we are moving to Mofat, Colorado, April 28th, 2019. So like fucking yesterday. Last week. One of Carlson's followers um, allowed the group to stay in his mobile home because they needed a place to stay. Um, When he arrived home from an out-of-town trip, he entered his home to a horrific smell. Uh Uh-oh. He followed the smell and found in the back room the mummified body of Amy Carlson. <gasps> oh, pot twist. I did not see that coming. Yes. He noticed that she had glitter on her face and makeup on her face. Like, like glitter think of makeup. like Renaissance kind of, oh. you know, deliberate like. How long was he gone for him to come back in there to be a mummified body? Weeks. He was gone for weeks. Oh, okay. Yeah, he didn't, like, go to the store. (laughs) Um, She was also laying in what appeared to be a shrine. The body was wrapped in a sleeping bag, and it is thought that Amy had been dead for a month before this discovery. Ooh. Icky, right? It smelled so bad. So bad. It's fucking Colorado. Ugh. Mm. Ooh. Okay. So that particular member tried to leave his home to report the incident. He also tried to take his two-year-old son with him. However, the other members in the home would not allow him to leave with his son. Wait, so there were other people in the Mm -hmm. mobile home with a dead body. Yeah. This guy comes home from a trip and is like, yo, I'm back. I brought groceries. Right. P.S. Here's a body and you can't leave. Right. And there's two children in the home. 
oh. one of which is his, and they won't oh. let him take him. Oh. Um, eventually, he was able to leave, but had to leave his child behind. Um, and he drove directly to the police station and reported the situation. Seven members of the group were originally charged with two counts of child abuse, which is a second-class misdemeanor, and abuse of a corpse, which is a class six felony. One member was also charged with felony imprisonment for not allowing the other member to leave to report the incident. Mm -hmm. As of this recording, sentencing has not been issued, and it's unclear how she actually died. But it is thought that she died of natural causes. Um, Some sources say she had cancer. Other sources say that she uh, was paralyzed uh, from the waist down, which would explain the pain management and... um, I think she had some type of issues with her back related to that, but I'm not sure about what caused that. Okay. Um, but each member is now out on parole. It was just time for her to take her next form. Yeah. Is really what it boils down to. So as we record this three weeks ago on May 20th, 2021, the group reemerged online recording a live stream with Amy's picture in the background. They are now calling themselves... 5D, full disclosure. So 5D, I think, stands for the fifth dimension. That would make sense. Yeah. Part of the video, which I have not personally seen, they did release it on Reddit. Um, there are members, uh, members come in. So it starts off with two of the girls who you see a lot on their live stream. Um, and then a bunch of other people come in and they start saying anti-Semitic and racist comments. And then the video kind of shuts off. So so who's leading them now? Well, what I've seen now is that, I mean, think about what happens when your prophet dies. You continue that behavior, and she's been reincarnated over 500 times before, so it, who's she coming back as? Right. Um, Donald Trump's mom, apparently. Well, Got to get a head start. Um But, like, usually if one leader dies, then someone else, like, moves in and takes their place until they figure out what's going on. Yeah. So, theoretically, they've got somebody out there who's still pulling the strings. That's a good... I wonder if it's the father father god guy. Oh, right. Um, That would make sense. Yeah. That would definitely make sense. And I know that this case is going to evolve, so we'll definitely do some... Updates as we learn more information. I also read that HBO is picking up a docuseries of course, in relation to the cult. So They are all over it. You know, it's so funny. When I started doing my research, I read like three different articles. And I did watch some other YouTube videos related to it where people are doing similar things as I am. Basically just like hashing out the details. And it's all the same information in all of these three articles because that's all the information that's out now. Right. But it's super fucking interesting. It's so current. I also... So basically what we know is they're a group of spiritual new agey people Mm -hmm. being led by this woman who claims to have been reincarnated 500 times over a period of about 13 billion years. 19. 19 billion years. Okay. What's their purpose? Like, she's ushering 14, 
no, 144,000 people into heaven. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they are there to basically be, you know, her disciples and, you know, assist in, in that, you know, they want everybody to hear the word. I mean, it's like what any religion does. You got to spread the word. Yeah, but it just doesn't feel like, like there's, I didn't hear any mention of any text that they use or anything like that. So you've mm-hmm. got to be hella charismatic to show up with this half-assed plan and mm-hmm. be like, hey, you should follow me. Quit your job, leave your family. But I think it's so textbook, though. Like, yeah. you believe in somebody so fully. I mean, the woman said she's going to leave either on a spacecraft or in the ocean. Did that happen? No, but they're still fucking here. She left in a trailer. In a trailer. In a trailer. But also, there was... I forgot to mention this. There was a um, a truck on the property that had the back seats completely laid down, mm-hmm. which police say suggests that the body was transported. So it's possible she died in California, brought the body across state lines. Maybe that was why they were like, hey, can we come stay with you? <laughs> um, all of that, I think, will become a little bit more clear as, as time goes on. But either way, you know, you can't not report a body dead for four weeks. Yeah. Um, I am super, super excited for updates yep. as this thing develops. You're going to have to stay really clued in with what's going on yep absolutely so tbd you guys but that is love has won also 5d or 5d they are super fucking racist for people saying love has won yeah well also for being new agey what right yeah very very like mother earth new agey you don't expect them to be like trump supporters yeah 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 um no that's really interesting i also hate that i didn't make a one direction 5d joke I don't know how I, I thought they all actually. had one D. They all shared it. I thought that's what the joke was. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate you picking up where I dropped the ball. All right. All right. You well, want to take a quick break real quick and we'll come right back? Let's do it. For Hamlet 2. That's the one. We're back. Let's talk Hamlet 2. Let's talk Hamlet 2. What'd you think? <laughs> I, oh, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. In the moment, I really, really liked it. And I will certainly watch it again. It's not my type of comedy. Yeah. Yeah. So let me give you, for those of you who are listening who have not heard of Hamlet 2, um, I was one of you until a few weeks ago. Um, Hamlet 2 is an irreverent indie comedy about a failed actor-turned-high-school-drama teacher who rallies his Tucson, Arizona students to give the drama department um, new life as he writes and stages a politically incorrect musical sequel to Shakespeare's Hamlet, which mm-hmm. is a, a lot. Yeah. So there are several storylines, lots of plot holes. Um, ultimately, it was really funny. So, like, there's this whole trope about being an inspirational teacher, and our main character is Dana Marsh. <laughs> yeah, Marshts. Marshts. Played by funny. Steve Coogan. Who is, I like him a lot. He was the highlight. Like, yeah. every other character and actor really paled in comparison to yeah. him. And all of the articles I read afterwards agreed. Yeah. Um, but he considers himself to be an inspirational teacher and really only has two enthusiastic students. Mm-hmm. Um So a new term begins and a group of new students are forced to transfer to his class because it's the only arts elective still available because 
schools suck and um, have been cutting the arts. So this is a commentary on that. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Dana has a history of producing poorly received school plays based on movies. The most recent being Aaron Brockovich. Aaron Brockovich. A two-person play. A two-person play (laughs) on a town about a whole city. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I don't know how he pulled that off. Honestly, so we'll get into the type of comedy that this is in a minute. But I would love to have seen a two-person play of Aaron Brockovich. So you see you see it going on, and it's like the scene where he's like, can I get your number? And she's like, you want to talk about numbers? How about three? That's the age of my baby girl. <laughs> how about ten? That's how, my, how old my other daughter is. Yeah. And he's standing behind the curtain, and he's like so into this thing that he's created. He's, he's like, so proud. So proud. You pan into the audience, and you see like a kind of... Like, nobody's in the audience. It's like 10 people. It's like 10 people, one of which is this really, really tiny, looks like a child, mm-hmm. who kind of becomes a really important role, which I'm sure you'll cross that bridge here shortly. The editor, or the newspaper oh, guy. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, so um, the the child is a theater critic mm-hmm. who is basically like the bane in uh, Dana's existence, the bane of his existence. Yeah. This kid is... Highly intelligent. Soup, soup stoops intelligent. Um, and really lays it out for Dana. It's like, listen, this is what you got to do in order to be successful. You, you've got to stop, you know, remaking yeah. movies as plays. Right. No one wants to see Aaron Brockovich. I think he says something like, you want to save drama, and yet you've created nothing worth saving. Yeah. Very powerful stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Dana takes that to heart and decides to write a sequel to Hamlet, which employs the use of a time machine, uh, which was apparently given to Hamlet by Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. What's what's the problem? (laughs) (laughs) I can't think of a single problem. Um, In order to avoid the... So the purpose of having the time machine is a device that Dana wants to use to... Um, like prevent or avoid the deaths of the characters in Hamlet. So the new play includes Hamlet, Gertrude, who's Hamlet's mother, Polonius, who is the chief counselor to the king, Laertes, um, who's Polonius's son, Hillary Clinton, and Jesus, yeah, among others. Um, uh, Albert Einstein's in there. Uh, Did yep. you see him? <laughs> He's wearing a shirt that says E equals MC squared. <laughs> Which is tucked into, like, blue jeans with a belt. It's fantastic. Dana says, quote, If Hamlet had just had a little bit of therapy, everything could have turned... He could have turned everything around. Well, and he's also, like, doing this play to be an outlet for his own trauma in his own life with his father. Yeah. And so it's just this totally weird... Yeah, so Dana plays the role of Jesus... Um, and uh, there's a very emotional, like, accepting his, or asking. I forgive you. Yeah. Yeah. Forgiving his father. Forgiving it's his father. A beautiful moment. Yeah. Um, one magazine that, article that I read said, Hamlet 2 belongs firmly to Steve Coogan, which is fortunate since none of the film's supporting actors proved to be the least bit memorable. 
And though it's rather difficult for a single talent to carry a successful comedic enterprise, Coogan comes awfully close. Mm, I like that. <laughs> yeah, I did too. Um, and I think that it's so true. Like, I, the other characters were good. Like, there's um, Rand, who was the uh, played by Skylar Aston. Is he in Pitch Perfect? He's the one in Pitch mm-hmm. Perfect. Yep. Um, who also plays a bisexual Laertes. Mm-hmm. And has to like reckon with his own sexuality. He was pretty memorable. Um, and then there's Piff, short for Epiphany Sellers, mm-hmm. played by Phoebe Stroll. Do we know anything about her? No, except for she's the fucking worst. <laughs> Super fucking racist. Yeah, not good. I, they could have cut her character completely out. It wouldn't have missed a thing about it. Same. It, it, yeah. It, it like. They wanted to create, like, tension between, like, the two people who had previously been in the drama program and mm-hmm. then all of the new newcomers into the drama program. And I could have done without that. Like, I think they were just trying to make them bond over the the Hamlet 2 production. Yeah. But there could have been a hundred other ways they would have done that. So, um, yeah. But, yeah, I could have gone without her completely. Right. And I could have, too. And I think that I'm... Dana, the teacher's like favorite movie is Dead Poet Society. He really sees himself as being able to bring all these different groups together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is successful. Yeah. Um, but not in the way that like a lot of other movies have done it. So you asked me how I felt about this movie, and irreverent comedy isn't my favorite genre. Um, Like, there were so many microaggressions, and I totally get it. Like, there was some acknowledgement that this was all in good fun. Um, I think that I personally just tend to, like, recoil quickly when I hear, you know, racist remarks. I was like, oh, where is this going? Um, But this movie really picked on a whole slew of people. Uh, The Christians, the gays... Latinos, Jews, the American Civil Liberties Union, and Elizabeth Shue herself, who is in this movie. Like, it, they they miss nobody. Yeah. I mean, some of it did not age well. That's, that's oh, yeah. very yeah. true. Um, Pretty cringy. Yeah. So, and I think a lot of the movies that we'll, we'll see, especially ones that we're seeing for the first time, mm-hmm. they're going to hit a nerve. Yeah, and... I mean, it kind of reminded me a little bit of, like, the... It wasn't quite as cringy for me as Napoleon Dynamite or Borat or anything like that. It was, like, a step above, Mm -hmm. uh, which made it easier to watch. Just... It made you uncomfortable. It did. And I think that that's a good thing. Yeah. I think if you watch this and you're like, nothing is wrong with this, then you should probably not be listening to this podcast. (laughs) Right. Yes. Um, And I can still appreciate... Like, it was still a fun movie to watch. Mm-hmm. I think that the point is, if you're going to watch cringy things, at least think about them critically. Yeah. Like, acknowledging the reasons that this was super cringy makes it not okay, but at least, like, helps me process what does this say about me that I've recoiled in this way about this thing? Mm-hmm. Let's unpack some of these stereotypes. Yeah. Um... So I think it really does lead to a lot of good conversation. I agree. 
Yeah. One of the stereotypes. So there's there's the bad boy in the class. Mm-hmm. Haywood. Haywood. Later. Haywood. Hey, you blow me. <laughs> Um, and he actively acts out. He's obviously very, like, trying to put on a performance of his own. Yeah. And uh, Dana kind of picks him to kind of mentor specifically because mm-hmm. they do a scene and he sees potential in him. Well, and he also expects um, Haywood, whose I think real name is Octavio. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's call him Haywood, though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he expects Haywood to, like, basically be a gangbanger for which i think is how he describes them yeah um and then he goes and finds out that haywood's family is actually like upper middle class literary artsy the mom has an exhibit at the guggenheim and fucking (laughs) the dad's written seven novels or seven books and like they're very highly educated and they don't want haywood to do the play because the play is fucking garbage yeah exactly it has nothing to do with you know them not supporting the arts right and which was the stereotype that the that dana was like trying to reinforce and everything to do with the fact that the play is just shit right and so i do think that the play did or the the movie did a good job of unpacking some of those stereotypes within itself Mm -hmm. and i did appreciate that a lot I think in the end, um, and we'll we'll come back, but like during the play, um, well, I don't want to skip ahead too much. You can go ahead. So the school board decides to cancel drama, which mm-hmm. is why he's decided to put on this play. Um, the script is turned in to the principal by um, by the by Rand by Rand who. Um, ends up coming perfect. back to play the bisexual Laertes. Laertes. Um, and um, Laertes? Laertes. Laertes. Just another Laertes. Nope. <laughs> okay. Um, was that an attempt at covering a Panic at the Disco song? <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> that was oh, beautiful. We're going to have to take that out. No, we're totally <laughs> leaving that in. Jacob, don't you dare take that out. Um... So he comes back. Anyway, so the city is kind of against this play. It's gaining yeah. traction. Um, yeah. The school no longer allows it to be um, done at the school. They have to find an extra space to do it, which ends up being like this warehouse, mm-hmm. really cool space. Um, but before the play happens, there's all these people lined up to protest the play. And there's a moment where these kids... Their parents approach Dana and they say, I don't want my kids doing this anymore. Yeah. And basically, Dana's like, listen, it's up to them whether they want to do it or not. And I think it's a moment for the kids to be like, this is something that's mine. And, you know, I'm going to be, you know, who I want to be. It's like the coming of age thing. Mm -hmm. And there is going to be no outside expectations. Right. Who I should or can be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So... For all the things that this movie did wrong, it also did a lot right. Um, so let me tell you a little bit of, of background for this movie. Now Ooh. that we've kind of covered some of the big yeah. like key plot points. Uh, filming for this movie was completed in about a month. No way. Yeah, September to October 31st. That is a cult movie right there. <laughs> it was then submitted to the Sundance Film Festival and did premiere there in January of 2008. 
Then there was an all-night bidding war that took place for the rights to distribution. Mm. So it showed, and then Lionsgate got it. No. I mean, I mean, focus, focus features. Yeah, focus features got it, and it sold for about ten million dollars, and nearly broke the record that was set by Little Miss Sunshine mm-hmm. in their uh, release. Do you by chance know what that was? How up to date are you with distribution of Sundance films? On who on who bought it, or on how much? Um, what the record was that was set by Little Miss Sunshine? I'm gonna say eight and a half. It was ten point five. So we missed it by like half a mil. Mm. Um, in wide release, the film nearly or in wide release, the film grossed nearly half of the rights cost. So it did not do quite as well. Sure. Rotten Tomatoes gave the film a sixty-two percent. Oh, okay. Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> Metacritic gave it a fifty-four out of one hundred. Um, normally, I think one of the ways that we judge if something actually has a cult following is having a low critic score with a high viewer audience score. Like, that's what we saw historically with um, But I'm a Cheerleader mm-hmm. um, and Labyrinth, I think, was the same way. This one on Rotten Tomatoes, the audience score is actually lower than their score. Hmm. So the audience score was 56%. So... At this specific moment in time, I'm not sure we can call this a cult movie as much as it is an Allie preferred movie. Um, okay. However, okay, listen here. <laughs> however, this, um, my question is: Are we too close to this movie for it to actually have a cult following? The every other cult movie we've watched and discussed so far was made in the 80s or 90s. This was made in 2008. So I think we're just the first to call this a cult film. Mm. Someone else called it a future cult classic, and I think that's probably the most fitting title. It's an absurd concept for an absurd movie, which is a trope among cult films. Um, Also, it was really funny, and the song Rock Me Sexy Jesus will be stuck in my head for the next month. Um, So... You know, it's interesting because I used a Hamlet 2 um, post for Teaser Tuesday when I was covering uh, Shakespeare a couple months ago. Did you? And we had a, a lot of high response. So people, our, our followers have seen it at least. Our team Well, that's because we're all weirdos. Yeah. Yeah. You're not wrong. Um, so one of my favorite quotes from this movie was, it doesn't matter how much talent you lack so long as you have enthusiasm. That's true. Yeah. And that was Fake the you whole that was the whole premise of the whole movie, I mm-hmm. think, was everyone lacks talent, but they're super enthusiastic about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you really want to see uh Stephen Coogan rock out as Jesus to a song called Rock Me Sexy Jesus, you will not regret it. You won't the whole play was like it was really fun to see how it like plays out mm-hmm. um, because you hear about it and like the principal's like we can't do this because there's nudity and pornography <laughs> and all kinds of shit and then you're and then you get to see it kind of play out on on um on the stage but one of the arguments that the kids have with their parents like right before the production is like 
you know, what about Rock Me Sexy Jesus? That's like really offensive. And one of the girls says, you know, like, it's about if Jesus came down to earth right now, like he'd have to make himself marketable. He'd have to like, yeah, be a part of, you know, what it takes to be famous in the world these days. Right. And part of that is having people think you're sexy. It's so true. Um, I So I watched this movie with our good friend Dylon. Um, and the entire movie, we both just kept looking at each other saying, I really hope they show the whole play, mm-hmm. which is not possible. But every time we paused it, it was like, oh, good. There's still, you know, an hour left of this movie. Like, we enjoyed it mm-hmm. a lot, especially considering that the comedy is not my typical style. Mm-hmm. But um, I really wanted to see the whole play. Like, yeah. should off-Broadway or off-off-Broadway or off-off-off-Broadway ever pick this up, I will buy tickets. Well, and the movie ends, we see them that it has been picked up. Right. To be... Just not in real life. No, not in real life. But in the movie, it was picked up by Broadway. In the movie, it gets picked up. They move them to New York. He, um... And he's keeping the original cast intact and they're, like, fucking doing the damn thing. Yep. And he's with Elizabeth Shue. Elizabeth Shue, who uh, was also in the movie. (laughs) Super randomly, um, Elizabeth Shue, you may know from Adventures in Babysitting or The Karate Kid, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And apparently that's his favorite actress of all time. So really glad he got to meet his idol so early on in the movie and then ends up dating her. It really gives me hope. I think Tegan and Sarah are both married. Are they? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Uh, That would be really disappointing because I'm still holding out hope. I mean, they're both, they're in their 40s. Yeah, I was going to say they're kind of older now. It's fine with me. I mean, if it works for Sarah Paulson, who am I to... That's true. Who am I to judge? Uh, Also, fun cameo-ish with Amy Poehler. Yes, she's there. Yep. Uh, She, her name is Cricket Fieldston because she married a Jew. That's what she says. Yep. This movie was like right as she was really beginning that climb to being someone that we all know and recognize. Um, So it was kind of cool to see her like in her earlier days of, you know, stardom. Yeah. Um, But and this was such an Amy Poehler type comedy. Yeah. Um, Like if Amy Poehler and Napoleon Dynamite were to meet, Hmm. you would find this play somewhere in the middle or this movie somewhere in the middle. Yeah. It's not quite like a Parks and Rec, but... No. It's Parks if Parks and Rec. So it's like Diversity Day, the episode of The Office... Oh, yeah. ...in a movie. Like that oh. kind of cringy. Right, yeah. That's I a really say. good... Perfect. Yep. Also, there's a musical. And anything with a musical, you know I'm going to enjoy. Yeah. Well, you had asked me, is this a musical? Well, I kept calling it Hamilton, too, for the yes, longest you time. Did. <laughs> Um, I was close, and I'm I'm glad that there was at least a few songs. Yeah, you can add the you can add it to your to your playlist. I'm sure sure it's on Spotify. <laughs> if not, I'm going to be super disappointed. Yep. Thank you guys so much. This has been our our latest cult adjacent episode. Where I I'm Allison, by the way. I'm the blonde one. If you can't tell us <laughs> apart. Um, I hope you can now. I would hope so. If not, that's fine, too. We're not shaming you. Mm -hmm. Karen has bangs. And brown hair. And brown hair. 
And you're the blonde. Yeah, no bangs. Um, if you want to pick a topic for us, head on over to our Patreon. Um, you can uh, become a patron at any tier and get that fucking pasta recipe we've been pushing. Um, we've gotten feedback on our current patrons, and they fucking love it. <laughs> also, I made the pasta recipe to watch Hamlet too. You did? I did. Yay! Yeah. I know. People have been, like, sending us pictures. I'm kind of, like, on the edge about, like... How much I want to share because of the secrecy of the recipe, but we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But yeah. um, also, at a certain tier, you can choose a topic for us, um, whether it be history, psychology, or a cult classic, or a cult. Or a cult. Mm-hmm. The world is your oyster. Yep. And we don't do intersection because they both start with a C. They so both start with a C. thanks for sticking with us um, and letting us be just as weird as you are and embracing us for it. Absolutely. We'll see you next month for episode five of our bonus call episodes. If you support us, blink twice. And if you're out there, keep listening. Thank you for listening to Podcasts Without an Audience. Find us on social media at pod without an odd. You can find us on Instagram or Facebook or find us on the web at podcast without an audience.com. Shoot us an email at pod without an odd at gmail.com. Our cover art is created by an actual angel, Ashley Acevedo. Our music is by Zach Smith and Ted Oliver editing by Jacob Beeson. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and all of our nerdy content. Please consider leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us today. Oh, and check out our Patreon for exclusive content and our pasta recipe. Again, thanks, and keep listening.